Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Oh, hey, Wayne, let me turn your mic on. That would help, wouldn't Hello, it? Hello, it's Wayne. Hey, yes, Wayne with us here. Thank you for coming in tonight. Of course, Mark is off for the entire week, and so our wonderful co-hosts will be here all week long. We are going to be live on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the Saturday following Christmas. So for the rest of the week, as we normally are, all six nights, we are here taking your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number, again, is 1-800-259-9231. want to start things out here. We'll talk about the banks here in a moment. But I want to start things out with an update, and I guess it's uh, it's fairly positive, from Carlos Miller. Now, Wayne, are you familiar with Carlos Miller at all? No, I'm not. He is a photographer, and he was arrested back in Miami. In fact, his, uh, his story is, there's a little summary of it here, a uh, multimedia journalist who was arrested by Miami police after taking photos of them against their wishes, in public, I might add, uh, a clear violation of his First Amendment rights. Since that arrest in 2007, he's been fighting a lengthy battle against the state of Florida to prove his innocence. Recently, a jury acquitted him of disobeying a police officer in disorderly conduct, but convicted him of resisting arrest without violence. Uh, he said he was appealing the conviction, and so there's news about that. And we could get back into the details of the story, but it was one of those situations which are becoming commonplace in this country where somebody's in the streets, they have a camera, something's happening with the police, they decide, uh, in this case he's a a professional uh, journalist, but it doesn't matter, as long as you've got a camera and you're in public, you should be able to photograph what the police are doing. So this guy is uh, is taking pictures of, I think, what was a car accident or some sort of scene with the police, and they didn't like that very much, and so they surrounded him. And you can see the the top uh, portion of his website here, Wayne, is one of the pictures that he took where the police got their hands on their guns as though the man with the camera is somehow uh, a threat. Wielding a deadly weapon. Right, and they're all surrounding him. It actually is a deadly weapon for some of them. It's deadly to their uh, sense of legitimacy. Yeah. Well, it's not deadly to their careers because it doesn't really matter in most cases, uh, even if you catch these guys red-handed, they still keep their jobs. Sometimes they'll get fired, like in the case of the BART shooting where the the cop uh, executed the guy on the ground, and that was recorded by three or four different people. There are some occasions where they will get fired based on uh, photographic evidence, but in this case, uh, he's got good news. Carlos Miller says, I fought the law and I won. Almost nine months after filing my appeal, I received notice this weekend that I was victorious. The fact that I prepared my appeal pro se makes the victory that much sweeter. A three-judge panel determined there were errors both in my conviction and my sentencing. The panel reversed both with directions for me and rather for me to be tried again before a different judge. In other words, they realized that Judge Jose L. Fernandez allowed his personal bias to affect my trial, including how he allowed the prosecutor to use my blog against me, even though I didn't even launch the blog until after my arrest. And how he, and by the way, his blog is great. It's uh, carlosmiller.com called Photography is Not a Right, excuse me, Not a Crime. Mm -hmm. It's a First Amendment right. And he catalogs story after story of people that were in similar situations and are in similar situations as he, people who are um, having video cameras or or, uh, uh, photographic cameras that are having them confiscated and being harassed by the police. So if you want to see just... Endless reams of stories that are just outrageous violations of the the freedom of the press. 
carlosmiller.com is uh, one of the premier places to well, go. Well, not to mention all of the citizens now who have cameras right in their cell phones. Yeah. And, of course, all of these hidden cameras now, whether they're sunglasses or whatever, I just don't see it going away. I think they're trying to squelch it, but I, I think that it, it might even be... There might be a pushback here where more people start doing it. I hope so, because it came in handy for me over the weekend. Uh, the videos posted over at freekeen.com. We encountered this busybody from Massachusetts as we were coming <laughs> back. We were coming back because we'd gone to Massachusetts. Me and a few of the other Liberty uh, activists here in Keene made a two-hour drive down to Massachusetts to go to the IMAX theater to see Avatar. And on the way back, we went to stop off at a gas station to fill up for the trip back. And there was this situation that – we'll get back to Carlos in a moment. <laughs> There's this situation that uh, was brewing there underneath the uh, the gas area where one guy was being yelled at by this woman, this uh, harridan, uh who was just in his face and very obnoxious and just being terrible. And so I was – as I was pumping the gas, I was just standing there taking all this in, and it – came to my uh, it came to, it was clear that she was complaining to him because he'd cursed he'd used the f word in public i guess he was there with his friend his friend was still in the car and they were having a conversation and one of the words he used cuz they're friends. They use these words. Uh, he used the F word. And she was very upset by it, so upset that she got in his face, and he told her to just, hey, back off, lady. You know, this is none of your business. Go away. Leave us alone. And so she picks up her phone and calls the police because the guy used the F word in public. And the police actually ended up coming out. Now, what's interesting is normally in a situation like that, I would ask somebody, hey, do you want us to stay here and you know keep an eye on things? I didn't even have a chance to ask that. The guy noticed that we were paying attention, and he looked over at us and asked us, hey, would you guys mind sticking around? And, of course, well, yeah, that's why that's why we're here in New Hampshire, to stick if around for crap like this. he knew who he asked. Huh? Right. <laughs> so we pulled out, we got finished up the gas and pulled over to, the, you know, parked uh, elsewhere, and he came over and parked. And uh, the cops actually didn't take too long to show up. Cop shows up, gets out of his uh, his car, and comes over to the guy and starts talking to him. I walk up immediately and inform them that I'm recording. He says, what's that? And I said, "What's uh, you're being recorded. No, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what happened. He said, well, this is New Hampshire. You have to have my consent. I said, no, I don't. This is New Hampshire and freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Uh, basically, I stood my ground and he backed down. Did you tell him you were press? No. No. I just told him that I was recording him. And uh, and he backed down. And then later on, he was all nicey-nice and started asking us questions. We were talking about Keen. I guess he used to be out here. And you can see the whole video over at freekeen.com. But I guess we're fortunate that we've got it easy here in New Hampshire compared to a lot of other places where that cop might, if we were in Miami where Carlos was, that cop might have taken me down to the ground and uh, taken me in. And in fact, Carlos points out that he's already served his sentence which included a year's probation, 100 hours of community service, and several sessions of anger management class. <laughs> oh, boy. So despite the fact that now he, on appeal, has had the conviction reversed, he's already served the sentence. He points out that the reversal is significant, however, because I was arrested again for taking pictures of cops while I was still on probation. Yep, you read right. I hadn't mentioned the second arrest on my blog because I didn't want it to interfere with a pending appeal. It's completely irrelevant, but once you've experienced a biased judge, you get pretty jaded. Fortunately, the panel of circuit court judges stuck to the actual law when making its decision. 
Here are some excerpts from the appellate decision. The decision is posted below. The blah, 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 blah. blah. Anyway, uh, at the trial, Miller testified in his own defense. During cross-examination, the court allowed the state over objection to question Miller about the contents of a blog created by him several months after the incident. In the blog, Miller questioned police tactics across the country. In some postings, officers were referred to as Gestapo or Nazis, and I think rightly so. Additionally, the state was permitted to question Miller concerning an article he wrote over a year after his arrest in which he expressed negative opinions about the police and discussed police brutality in Los Angeles. Despite bare attempts to link Miller's comments to testimonial bias, the state placed Carlos Miller's abstracted comments on trial. His comments, admitted for the limited purposes of impeachment, ultimately became evidence of his guilt. It's constitutionally impermissible for a trial court to impose a sentence based upon a defendant's assertion of innocence before, during, and after a trial. As evidenced by the sentencing colloquy, the trial court's concern in large part was for the real heroes at Arlington, for Miller's supporters, and for Miller's shocking lack of remorse. Miller says, you might remember that in handing me a harsher sentence than sought by the state, Judge Fernandez seated the following, or stated the following, making it clear that I was being punished not just for pho- uh, photographing cops against their wishes, but for blogging about it. And this is what the judge in this case said. So this isn't the judge that, uh, that he had appealed to. It was the first judge that convicted him. Saying, I can't imagine why you thought this situation was worth getting arrested for. I can't imagine for the life of me. Referring to the original incident in which Carlos was photographing just a situation on the street where the police had had pulled someone over or were dealing with somebody in public. And the judge, oh, I can't imagine why you would have gotten arrested for this. Well, maybe it's because he believes that he's a free man or a free journalist. Maybe he thinks that he's free to cover something that's going on in the streets. Well, the judge has a few more words, as does Carlos. We'll share those in moments, and you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Candy. For inspiring ideas for your next celebration, be sure to visit us at celebrationcorner.com. You don't have to wait for a holiday to plan a festive meal. Celebrate anytime with a fun menu or creative theme. Invite friends for a roll-your-own sushi dinner. Or surprise your family with a birthday cake when it's nobody's birthday. Fun is the name of the game, so make up a special reason of your own. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the updates. You can get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for your free daily dispatch. Freedomsphoenix.com. So we're uh, sharing the story of Carlos Miller here uh, from carlosmiller.com. Great blog site. Uh, It's one of my favorites because it's just, well, it's so bad. Uh, I mean, not the blog itself, but the uh, the content is so bad. It's just consistently awful. 
uh, in that he's always sharing story after story, day in, day out, of photographers and videographers being harassed and arrested by the police. It's it's becoming a regular occurrence. Maybe it always has been a regular occurrence, but I think no. you're right, Wayne. We were talking during one of the breaks about how things seem to be getting worse over time, uh, more tyrannical over time. At the very least, we certainly know more now about these things when they happen because of great resources like Carlos's blog that bring it all together into the same place. But he's updating us on the case that started his blog, which is his case. Uh, out of Miami, Florida, he's a professional uh, jur- photojournalist. He was on the streets when something was going down with the police. He decided to start snapping photos, as is his job. That's what he does. So the cops didn't like that very much. They ended up arresting him. A couple of the charges um, he was found not guilty on, but was convicted on one of them. The news is, upon appeal, his conviction has been overturned. So that's good news, but it doesn't really mean very much because, well, he's already paid the, you know, the uh, he's already done the sentence. He's already done the community service and all of the other stuff that he was sentenced to do. But what he's sharing with us here, and he's going to give us uh, the details on his second arrest. We'll, we'll put that off until later because we want to get to some phone calls here. But I just want to finish the statement from the judge. This is what the judge told him at his trial where he was convicted. So this isn't the appeals court. This is the first judge that convicted him saying, I can't imagine why you thought this situation was worth getting arrested for. I can't imagine for the life of me. I don't know if you think you're some kind of hero or something like that, but if you want to see a hero, go visit Arlington, all right? I don't think any of those people that are back here are those people that are giving you the the thumbs up on your blog. If I were to sentence you to jail, none of those people would volunteer to go in there and serve time with you. They might say they would, but I guarantee you they wouldn't. I'm shocked at your lack of remorse. (laughs) You should be sorry for daring to take pictures of the police in public. Good translation. <laughs> Isn't it it's just the attitude? The, it's disgusting. It's, oh, it's, it's pathetic. The hubris of uh, these people. I can't imagine why you thought this was worth getting arrested for. Well, maybe he didn't think he was going to get arrested. Right, because at one time the press was better protected by the legal system because they were the press. And, of course, now the, the, the press is a little has expanded with, with the new media, of course, but uh, I'm seeing more and more stories like this where members of the press are getting beaten and Absolutely. taking the cameras away. You didn't see that 20 or 30 years ago. It may have happened in some isolated situations, but not like today. It's, it's outrageously, it's happening consistently. And Carlos continues, he says, I'm not really sure what happens now, but I'm assuming the ball is in the hands of the state attorney's office on whether or not they want to continue to pursue this matter. Unlike the first time around, it would only be a trial for resisting arrest without violence, along with the obstruction, uh, obstructing traffic citation. And unlike the first time around, I'll not not take the witness stand, forcing them to have to prove my guilt without resorting to bringing up irrelevant evidence, such as my blog. And speaking of having to go to trial on a charge of resisting arrest without violence, he'll tell us about his second arrest here in moments. First, let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Sean is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sean. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? What's on your mind tonight? Um, a geographical organization, but I was going to make a comment since I was listening to your story about the blog. Yes, sir. Because um, I've certainly experienced some of that in my life. There is a there is a precedent, you know, when police officers say you can't film me because of privacy. There are legal precedents that exist where law enforcement does not have the same privacy expectation that a private citizen does. You know, they're just like a, an elected official or a movie star. So. That's an important legal concept when dealing with that type of harassment, just 
you know, was going to share that from my personal experience. Yeah, well, it's true. Uh, they, they certainly are more public figures than the average person. However, you probably aren't going to get away uh, with photographing them through the windows of their house too, uh, you know, too well. Nor would you want to. In yeah, they're most, not in as most cases. They're not as well, public as yeah, say, not in a politician. In the course of their public, right. You know, duties. Right. Yeah, you'd think it was cut and dry, oh. but that won't stop them from uh, taking you, putting metal bracelets on you, and putting you in a cage. Oh yeah, they do whatever they want to do. Then right. you just have to, you know, you have to fight the battle. I mean, which is one of the reasons why I was talking about geographic organization because I, I was born a free man. I'm going to die a free man. And the reality of living free in this country is that it costs the free person more resources and more time to live free because you're constantly subjected to this type of stuff right here. So uh, people use coercion upon you, whether it's government, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's uh, a Democratic vote at a local, state, or federal level. And then the free person just in the course of living a free life is subjected to it and it has to mount the time and the resources to just be free. Yep. It's not easy. It's not an easy road. No, it's it's not. So um you know, you guys are up in uh you know, up there around the uh, Free State Project, which is a geographical organization type of project. Yes. And I you know, the the objective there is a is a state level. And I, I'm a huge fan of it at a local level because a local level can mount an immediate result uh, because most of the BS when we're talking about law enforcement, whether we're talking about permits, licensing, uh, property taxes, any you know, virtually all of that is dealt with at the local level. Well, I mean, no there's one very is, little state or fellow enforcement. No, well, no one is uh, is uh, preventing. You mentioned the Free State Project. It's a movement of thousands of liberty-oriented people that are converging on mm-hmm. the same geographic region, which is New Hampshire. You're correct about that, but there's nothing preventing any of those folks from self-organizing and saying, "Hey, you know, let's focus on this area." And I think the Free Keen uh, website, that's my one of my, it is my blog site. It's a multi-user blog at freekeen.com. The one of the purposes of Free Keen is to draw more free state movers to one particular area by promoting all of the wonderful activism that is happening in this one area in hopes that more people will come here. So I think to some extent we do have uh, focuses on very specific areas within New Hampshire. I mean, you can come here and move wherever the hell you want to. Some people are moving to little towns like uh, Grafton, and some people are moving to the the state capital because they really enjoy the the stuff that goes on there. Others are moving to the biggest city, and uh, there's a fair amount that are moving here to little old Keene because they're pretty excited by, uh, by what's happening here. I think that, you know, we may very well have the first free city here. Uh-huh. Well, and that's and it's just, you know, like I said, it's what was on my mind. I want to continue to... To, uh, to advocate it because uh, if you're, for, for instance, we talked about the Federal Reserve and this huge federal campaign to repeal legal tender laws and introduce competing currencies. Well, let's break that down to a local level. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, In you, fact, if you've got more, you, more to you say, you're welcome need... to hang on, okay? Hang on, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wade. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including our shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show their listeners of Free Talk Live. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it for yourself. And if you're a lady listener, you can get involved over there. Become a Shriner at shrine.freetalklive.com. By the way, the Shrine of Female Listeners is brought to you by Manchester Brewing, founded by an alien race of reptiles called the Slore, who live beneath Stapleton Airport and secretly control the Illuminati. Find out more at manchesterbrewing.com. As we go back to Sean in Florida, Sean, you're back on Free Talk Live. You were uh, making some comments uh, about banks or something like that before we went away. Can you go ahead and recap that? Yeah, I was uh, I was starting to just yeah, I was talking about the, making a local comparison to the Federal Reserve. Uh, you know, we talk about solutions to the Federal Reserve like repealing legal tender laws, introducing competing currencies. As we can see just by the 1207 legislation, this is a huge federal battle. People know it. Um, we're at at a local level. Um, again, liberty-minded people are able to uh, monopolize at a, at a local level. The only thing you need Federal Reserve notes for is to pay government. Yeah. So if you're in a local community and uh, you eliminate the need to pay government in Federal Reserve notes to get permission in whatever various forms they currently require, then you don't need Federal Reserve notes. Then you have a distinct economic advantage in your local community because you just eliminated this government overhead and you can start producing stuff in this community. You know, we had and let uh, capitalism work again. We had Karen call in a couple weeks back on, I think it was our Saturday show, to tell us about Dell Valley Silver, which she has come up with. She actually bought, uh, bought a banner ad on uh, freetalklive.com just recently. DellValleySilver.com. It's uh, she has put together an organization that is working with local businesses to start introducing silver as an option for their customers, as far as paying in silver and getting change in silver and, and that kind of thing. Uh, sort of similar to the uh, the Liberty Dollar to some extent, but without the values, just doing it in ounces of, uh, of silver. And uh, she's gotten that uh-huh. rolling, and it looks like it's, it's working. She actually sent me payment for the banner ad on our website in, eight ounce, in the form of eight ounces of silver. So she... Uh, and it looks great. They've got their own minted silver piece with DellValleySilver.com on it and the picture of Delaware and the Delaware Valley. And uh, so what you're talking about is already being done to some extent. I think it's a great idea. You know, if you think about well, it. Well, no, it has been. You know, the, the Liberty Dollar's been out there. I mean, Liberty's not new. It's been around. Uh, but since the Ron Paul campaign, you guys are talking about this this story down south. I mean, that stuff's been going on. I've experienced it. The only thing that's different is more liberty-minded people are more better networked now thanks to the Ron Paul campaign. We've had the opportunity to meet each other through that campaign and start talking about and promoting our, our liberty agenda. Yeah, there's also a lot of people um, that have been stuck with the Elephant Club or the Donkey Club that have waken up. They've woken up, too. But if you think about it, the, the Federal Reserve System is a way for a handful of people to suck all the wealth and resources out of com- local communities. It, just like, uh, mm-hmm. the, and so is the corporatization of America with all the big box stores. They take the money from a local community and it gets, it gets sent to a central location. So by having local currencies, it will keep the money in, in the local community on Main Street rather than Wall Street. And that's really what we're debating oh, I, here in many cases. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I completely agree with that. I mean, my only point is is that if you get rid of, you know, the only reason businesses take Federal Reserve notes because they can take whatever they want. They take credit cards. That's why credit cards are successful. Businesses take them. Uh, 
But if you eliminate the need to pay government and Federal Reserve notes, you can get in a free community. You can start producing stuff in that community at a distinct economic advantage, and you don't even have to deal with this whole, you know, decade-long uh, campaign and ideological yeah. battle against central economic planning versus uh, you know competing currencies. Absolutely, I mean, you can just it would be far easier. It. it would be far easier to do. Th- I completely agree that it'd be far easier to implement these things on a local level and just forget about the feds rather than trying to change the federal government. They are so entrenched. There's no way that little old Ron Paul is going to be able to uh, to do anything successfully against the Federal Reserve, its bankers, and its its political uh, buddies up there in, in D.C. I completely yeah. agree with you. So my question, I guess, Sean, is are you a Free State Project participant? Uh, you know, I'm not, and I'd be more than happy to articulate clearly why. Yeah, please do. Uh, w- when we use the word liberty, it's a very broad word, you know, because there's uh, I think I've seen Ian in a video before, and I, I think I've heard Ian mention the non-aggression principles, which I'm very fond of, mm-hmm. and and like the My, the Mises Institute. But when you use the word liberty, I mean, we have a broad palette of people that fall under that, that word. I mean, you know, we have the statist mini-archist debates all throughout our communities, you know, on many issues. So when you take something like the Free State Project, you know, it has a very broad palette. They're trying to target a state level. Um, you know, are, are the numbers going to be there? They haven't been there yet. You know, are the numbers going to be there for what? There. Well, to to be successful. I mean, I'm down here in a in a we've, warm climate. We've already so had more success, Sean. We've already had more success in a, a handful of years than the Libertarian Party has had in three decades. There are four Free State I'm Project not... members that are participants that are actual member uh, representatives in the uh, so-called in the the state government. Um, so already we've had hundreds of people made the make the move from all over the place. And I'm a Florida native, so I know exactly what it's like uh, to move from Florida after yeah. having lived there for. decades. Decades and then come up to uh, the, the Northeast, and it's doable. You know, we've got heat up here, so yeah, it is cold. But as long as you're not, there were some guys that were working. Uh, if as long as you're not working outdoors in the middle of the winter time, then you probably aren't going to be too uh, too bothered by it. So we've already had success, and we're going to have more as more people start arriving here and and getting active. We've got the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance from the political side of things that's out there doing some amazing work that is just impossible to do down in. Florida because you just don't have there aren't enough people in the Libertarian Party to do what's uh, happening in the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. And that's not even including what the Libertarian Party's doing up here. Uh, and those, there's a lot going on politically, but there's also civil disobedience. And if you've been listening to this show, you know some of the things that have been going on, uh, like the uh, the cannabis uh, the events that have been happening over the last uh, few months that that happened for weeks straight. People smoking cannabis in public. There have been other examples of civil disobedience. So uh, it seems to me that even though the Free State Project hasn't actually completed in that it hasn't reached 20,000 participants yet, the early movers have already had a greater effect here than the Libertarian Party has had uh, all across the country, or the RLC has had, or any of the other liberty-oriented options that are out there around the the country, and I'd challenge anybody to, uh, to deny that. And I'm not, I wasn't really seeking to take any credit away from there. But again, here, uh, you know, let's say I relocate up there. You know, I'm just going from you know one battle to another because it's not living free. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan of you know, for instance, the the Free State Project doesn't really espouse any narrow political ideology. They just use the word uh, liberty. You know, whereas 
Well, no, what they say uh, in the know, statement of intent, the point of information people. here, Sean, let me, let me correct you. Uh, the statement of intent yeah. makes it clear that the Free State Project participants agree that the maximum role of government should be the protection of life, liberty, and, uh, and property. So that's what the statement yeah. of intent is between the, their members. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, again, being a subscriber to, to the non-aggression principles, I'm more in favor of uh, organizing geographically at a local level with a bunch of people that subscribe to the non-aggression principles. Which is why I would suggest that you go to Freekeen. Taxes, that, that's why schools. I would suggest that you go to Freekeen.com and learn more about what's happening here in Keene because there are a number of people that don't agree with the Free State Project's uh, statement of intent. They would rather have zero government, uh, full voluntary society, and they are, a lot of them, a lot of voluntarists and arco-capitalists are converging on the Keene area because that's where, that's just where people are coming to because that's, uh, that's the kind of thing they are looking for. They are looking for exactly what it is you're talking about. And I would love to have people come up here and engage in a property tax uh, revolt. So I think what you're looking for is actually here. Maybe you're just not aware of it. So, I'd li- again, I'd like to invite you to go to freekeen.com and take a look at some of the activism that's going on here. There's 100-plus reasons to move to Keene that you can find there, which lists some of that, and video footage and everything. So please go to freekeen.com, and thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. At 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The people that are moving to Keene tend to be more oriented toward a voluntary society than a minarchist world, toward, right. toward a small government. It's just the way it is. Now, but, there's, but there's a pretty good contingent in Manchester and Concord that are, that are minarchists who are in the, pol- in the political system. The movement is, the Free State Project is mostly minarchist, that is for sure. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Same great Amazon experience that you're used to, the top retailer on the Internet. Uh, If you've been there before, you know how great they are. You know the free Super Saver shipping that you get on so many of their brand new items. But you also probably know they've got used items, too. So if you need to save a few extra bucks, you can do it that way. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Entering through that link will get free. Free Talk Live, a percentage of the purchase. So, uh, Wayne, we were talking a moment ago with a gentleman about the Free State Project and that he had this misconception that it was only about small government. And, yes, the the, the statement of intent for the Free State Project is that uh, I believe that the maximum role of maximum, government that's the key right there. is the protection of life, liberty, and property. And so, since it says maximum, that means that somebody like me, who believes in no coercive government whatsoever, can still be a, a participant in it. And for, for whatever reason, uh, the, the people that are more like me, of the voluntarist persuasion, have been coming to the Keene area. In fact, we have uh, Chris on the line in New Hampshire uh, calling from Keene. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Chris. Uh, doing great, man. What's, uh, what's happening tonight? Oh, well, it's Festivus tonight. It is Festivus, and uh, there's, a, there's a shindig going on here uh, in town. It's a great example of how the, the local activists get together on a regular basis for socializing. Uh, we get together weekly for what we call Social Sundays and, mm-hmm. uh, and hang out, and this is a, obviously a special occasion, right? And you can socialize without being a socialist. That's true. What goes on <laughs> uh, at, at Festivus? Right. 
Oh, well, um, this is a holiday. It's been around since the 60s, but it was popularized by Seinfeld. Um, and there are some loose traditions about Festivus. It's basically, it's a non-denominational holiday as an alternative to Christmas and Hanukkah, you know, just to kind of get away from the commercialism of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the traditions, there's really three main traditions, and that's the Festivus pole, which is just an aluminum pole instead of a tree. You know, pencil's <laughs> very distracting and all. Mm-hmm. Um, no lights? And it's a, it's a symbolized, no, no, it's a symbolized life without frills. Uh. Uh, the second tradition is once dinner has begun, there is, instead of giving presents, there's the airing of the grievances, and you tell everybody at the table how much they've disappointed you over the past year. Oh, my. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and fi- finally, there are the feats of strength, at which someone must wrestle the head of the household and pin them to the ground, or else Festivus is not over. Interesting. Wow. Yep. Now, so, are there any food fights a- involved here? Uh, what's that? Are there any food fights in the middle of all this airing of grievances? If there's food, aren't there food fights? Oh, we have a f- no, no food fights, but we do have a feast. Uh, we made a turducken, which is uh, chicken stuffed inside a duck, stuffed inside a turkey. <laughs> really? And then covered in bacon. <laughs> wow, that's far out. Wow. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of goodies. Homemade stuffing, mashed potatoes, twice-baked sweet potatoes, fried plantains, you know, uh, and uh, there's maybe, you know, 15 of us here right now. Uh, you know, we're just having a good time. It's a party. So, um, but now, the re- of the 15 people, just as a re- in response to the last caller that we had, I mean, you heard him. Uh, he was concerned that the, the Free State Project was too small government for him, that he wanted no government. And I was trying to explain to him that that uh, Keene might be a good place for him to uh, to look at. Of the 15 people there, I mean, how, how many of them do you think are uh, minarchists that, uh, that want small government? Uh, Nick Ryder. Okay, so one out of the fifteen, the other uh, the other fourteen would be uh, voluntarist types. Would you would say? Uh, I would say, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, this is an example of the the kind of uh, network that is that is here within the the Keene region. Is it's it's very highly populated with people that are just sick to death of government of any sort. And while they, I'm sure that many of them would be pleased to see a small government come about, uh, they want to eliminate coercion and eliminate uh, the threat of force from society entirely. Yeah, absolutely. But the real reason I called actually is because I had a very very interesting week at work. Um, Do tell. As a, as a lot of people know, well, I've called him before. I, I work as a copy repairman, which is a lot cooler than it sounds. Um, <laughs> but uh, so this week at work, I was in school. We go to school every once in a while. It's usually a week long, the class, um, and we just learn about a different, you know, a new machine to us at least. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I met a fellow who I work with, and I've worked with him for a while. I don't usually interact with the people I work with. I'm very independent. You know, I'm just usually off on the road by myself. Yeah. But uh, we got into talking about guns somehow in the class because, you know, we always just kind of talk, like, in between learning. Uh, And we were talking about guns, and then from there it kind of snowballed, and I found out that he's pretty libertarian, and he was surprised to hear about all these things that have been going on. Like, he lives up by uh, up north by Lancaster, and he had no idea that Porkfest happened, you know, and uh, he was really excited about the idea. Wow, that's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, also my teacher actually brought up the 420 events. <laughs> uh, we were talking wow. about prohibition, and he he mentioned that, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's that's me and my friends. You know, we do that." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But uh, but the big thing that happened is after I was done with school today, I went out to do calls, and my first call of the day was at the Nashua Prosecutor's Office. 
boy. Um, yeah, as you can imagine. I mean, uh, and actually, it felt really strange to be able to get through security without having to go through the, uh, you know, the metal detectors. You know, I just say, hey, I'm from Conway, and they're like, okay, you know, they wave me off, and I, nice. I, I can go just about anywhere, and people talk like I'm not there. It's great. I, I'm like huh. a fly on the wall. Oh, that is so funny. So they were talking about guns, and uh, one lady was insisting that she feels it's okay if you want to go hunting, but she doesn't feel that people should carry guns for any other reason and that cops should be the only ones who have a gun. Oh, boy. Mm. And I kind of started to smirk. I thought about saying something. I didn't yet. And then another fellow said, well, have you heard of the Free Staters? They like to carry them on their <laughs> they like to carry them on their hips, and she's like, "Oh no, that's terrible." And he's like, "Have you met any yet, or have you had to deal with any yet?" I think it's what he said, and she's like, "No," and he said, "Oh, you don't want to," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really cool because you know that means that you know. Well, I don't know what it means, but it, it's cool anyway that you know they just don't want to deal with us. Maybe eventually they'll just you know. Go away. Well, they know that the, yeah. that uh, free staters are likely to stand up for their rights and not be pushed around. Uh, and videotape like, them, like most people. Yeah, and videotape, and, and it just shows that it just goes to show how often these people are talking about us. I mean, we're a, a, <laughs> a significant topic of conversation amongst the bureau, bureaucrats. Absolutely, and then the conversation continued to go on. She asked, and she asked, you know, aren't they uh, aren't they mostly men? And he said, well, actually, I was on their website a couple of days ago, and they have something called the Ladies for Liberty. And uh, I thought it was funny that they're you know going and looking at the website and learning at, learning about us. Right. They they I do really... that on the clock, by the way. They uh, sit and uh, look oh, at yeah. freekeen.com, oh, the yeah. Free State Project website, while they're on the job. And little did they oh, know yeah. who was sitting right there. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Oh, I know, beautiful. I know. And I, I thought about chiming in so much, but <laughs> if I ever went back there, I wouldn't be able to hear about things like this again. Right. That's right. Yep, and uh, oh, there's one more point I wanted to make. Um, wow. Uh that's you know amazing. What? I lost it. That's all right, though. It's a great story, nonetheless, uh, because we know. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Brad Jardis from Law, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. He's real friendly with uh, with a lot of free staters, and he uh, he spends a lot of time over the Free Keen forum. There's a thread there about the bureaucrats going after him because he's against the war on drugs, and he's just been cataloging all of the things that have been happening to him and the harassment that that he's been subjected to from his coworkers because he's he's you know he cares enough to stand up for freedom. And, right. and what they're doing to him, and he points out that he is certain that people uh, are constantly, from within the police department, constantly checking that thread. So I went into uh, Google Analytics, which is the uh, the web tracking software that I have for the website, and I pulled up uh, the, the forum, and I, I was looking to see, because he asked me, well, what's the number one thread on the forum this past week? And I went and I looked, and sure enough... The number one thread on the forum is Brad Jardis's, uh, or was at that time, maybe it still is, Brad Jardis's hearing thread on the outside the Keene area section. And when I drilled down, I, I, you can actually, with Google Analytics, you can look and you can see geographic areas where people are coming from. So I drilled down to New Hampshire and I looked, and sure enough, usually Keene is fairly uh, popular as far as the amount of people coming to freekeen.com. But on the uh, okay. Brad Jardis thread, the most people were coming from over in uh, the Epping area, which is where he is employed. So sure enough, uh, there are people that uh, most likely the bureaucrats that are constantly looking at uh, at that threat. So again, they don't have anything else to do. There's nothing else exciting apparently going on in their lives. They just have to spend yep. their time talking about us, which is great because it, it shows that we're relevant. And actually, that reminds me of what I was going to say earlier. Uh, at one point, another attorney came in, and you know, I guess he was a defense attorney, maybe a public defender. And they were, you know, talking like they were, you know, just 
deciding how the trial was going to go, and and they were so apathetic about it. In fact, at one point, the defense said, "You know what? I don't really care." Oh, gosh. Uh, like, so why would you even go with a public pretender? I mean, they don't. They honestly have no incentive to care about you. That's it's right. Ridiculous. Yep, they sure don't. Thank you so much for the call and, and sharing that story. It was great, Chris. I appreciate hearing from oh, you. You're enjoy, welcome. enjoy Festivus. I'll probably be coming out later on uh, after the show, so see you there. All right, we'll see you All then. right, later. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, and this is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is coming up to control of the airwaves. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and we are launching into the second hour of the program. Dial on in toll-free. We're here to take your calls and be here all week long doing this show, as we always do. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Free Talk Live is going to be live. And Wayne, thanks for joining me tonight. Jing, 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 jing. Jing, jing? Yeah. Is that a Christmas song? Those are those are sleigh bells. Okay. 800-259-9231. We're going to tell you the rest of the story from Carlos Miller. For those of you just tuning in, carlosmiller.com is the website to visit if you want to get the latest information on what kind of outrageous police behavior is being shown to photographers. Uh, photographers around the country are being harassed regularly by the police. They are being arrested, not just harassed, harass, uh, arrested, in many cases assaulted, uh, having their cameras stolen or broken. And it's just absolutely sad and outrageous. And the reason why Carlos Miller created his blog in the first place was because, well, he's a photographer and he was harassed. So this is one of the uh, the unintended consequences of the police harassing people is that the, the more people they harass, the more likely they're going to come across a Carlos Miller who's going to say, the hell with this, I've had it, and then uh, focus his life in a different direction. Because before he was harassed by the police... He didn't have any any kind of uh, activist cred. He wasn't out there doing any kind of uh, useful thing for the uh, the world of liberty. But now he is. So as as a result of the police's uh, evil and their, their their harassment of him, that this wonderful blog was created. So thank you, police, for harassing Carlos. Isn't it interesting how you can turn this around and say, well, guys, if you've got nothing to hide, then what's the problem? Oh, that's exactly it. What do they have to hide? In the case of Carlos, they were just on the street doing uh, some kind of uh, pullover or something like that. It was in Miami, and he came over and started taking pictures. They arrested him for it. Turns out that after an appeal, he's finally had the conviction of resisting arrest without violence overturned. The other charges were originally uh, found as uh, as not guilty. But now he's going to tell us about his second arrest, which he... Uh, withheld from his own blog because he didn't want it to interfere with uh, the case because him having a blog was brought up during the previous trial and the judge was very uppity uh, and very rude to him and the judge was saying things like, well, you know, I, I can't imagine why you thought the situation was worth getting arrested for. Well, maybe it's because he believes in the freedom of the press and is willing to stand up for that. And I guess it would make sense that a judge wouldn't be able to imagine having principles like that because mm -hmm. they don't understand what that means. And a lot of them have bought their positions and yeah. their appointments. They don't. They don't. Uh, they're not principled in their position. They usually just rule arbitrarily. They just do whatever it is that uh, that feels right to them. 
So, his second arrest. It was Saturday night on Memorial Day weekend 2009. Like in previous years, thousands of black people descended upon Miami Beach for a hip-hop weekend. And, like in previous years, Miami Beach was spending up to a million dollars in paying cops to work overtime, including hiring a multitude of police from outside agencies to work that weekend. The result was that 548 people were arrested that weekend, mostly for minor offenses like disorderly conduct, which can mean absolutely anything, I might point out. Disorderly conduct means you're doing something the cop doesn't like, and the cop decides to arrest you for it. It doesn't mean (laughs) that you've actually committed any kind of crime against another person. Mostly uh, for minor offenses, like resisting arrest or disorderly conduct, resisting arrest without violence, I was one of the 548. I had been shooting video for Miami Beach 411 that might see or that night to see what the hype was all about. Every year, hundreds of locals flee Miami Beach for the weekend because they believe the hip-hop crowd to be a dangerous element. My goal was to see if this weekend was any wilder or more dangerous than any other weekend. Turns out, it wasn't. After shooting video for several hours, I stopped into the Deuce Bar for a couple of Heinekens. Then I decided to grab a bite to eat and drive home. On the way back to my car, I spotted a couple of officers leaning against a cop car with one of them texting on his cell phone. I thought this was a perfect photo to sum up the weekend, to show that it really wasn't as dangerous as people hype it up to be. I was using a 70-200 to lens when I snapped the photo. I was nowhere near the cop to cause him to think I was going to assault him or anything. I continued walking. He yelled at me to stop, and I did. Delete that photo! Delete that photo! He yelled at me as he approached. I told him I was not going to delete the photo. I guess he realized that he was in the wrong, so he walked back to his car. And I could have left it at that and would not have gone to jail. But to me, this was part of the whole story I was writing. So I walked back and asked him for his name. I figured I would include it in the article along with the photo, or maybe just write a blog post about it. As soon as I walked up to him, another cop slapped the handcuffs on me. You're stupid, bro. You're stupid, the second cop told me. They grabbed my camera and deleted my recent image. images. Obviously unaware that I could retrieve them, which I did. They sat me in the back of this undelete software, by the way. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, to, just to interject here, the, the, the way this works is if you are taking pictures or video on a flash-based device. If you're using tape, you're pretty much probably screwed because uh, it'll likely just take your tape. But if you've got a flash-based device or a hard drive-based device, what happens when the cops hit delete is the software that runs the hard drive or the flash card basically just marks the images as deleted. It doesn't actually erase them. It erases them later when you keep using the rec- when you keep recording. Yes. So you stop right then. Do not take another picture if That's you want right. to pre- if you want to prevent if you want to make it so you can undelete those photos or those videos. Don't record any more video. Don't re- don't take any more photos. Take get your camera back, get your uh, flash card back, get your hard drive uh, back to a a computer. Get some free undeleting software, which is easily available on the internet, and run that software on that drive. And you will find most likely your videos and your photos completely intact. That's right, because when you erase or you delete something on a computer, a flash-based device, or even a computer, your computer tells a file system to mark that space as writable now, whereas, mm-hmm. whereas anything that hasn't been deleted is in space that's, that's uh, marked as unwritable. So by marking it um, uh, writable again, it's still there. It just hasn't been overwritten yet. So that's, that's a good point that you always want to make sure you don't do any more writing to that device until you recover your data from it. So uh, they deleted them and uh, sat me in the back of the car and told me that I was drunk. I welcomed them to give me a breathalyzer. They didn't. 
They charged me with disorderly intoxication, which requires a suspect to be carrying a drink in public as well as causing a public disturbance. I was not carrying any booze, and asking a cop for his name is hardly creating a public disturbance. No. Neither is taking his picture, for that matter. I ended up spending the night in jail with a bunch of other guys arrested on this base on baseless charges on Miami Beach. The state attorney's office apparently realized they had no evidence to support a disorderly intoxication charge, so they switched the charge to resisting arrest without violence. Now I'm scheduled to go to trial in front of Judge Jose Fernandez next month, who, by the way, is the same judge that uh, <laughs> that we cited earlier. The uh, very same judge that uh, harangued him for, I can't imagine why you thought this situation was worth getting arrested for. I'm shocked at your lack of remorse. How about same judge. the press? Yeah. So he's going to be in front of him. He says it's like deja vu all over again. As I argued in my appeal, it doesn't make legal sense to have a standalone resisting arrest charge without violence because there needs to be some underlying charge to base the arrest on. How could you resist arrest if you weren't being arrested for anything? Right. I really don't think, or really didn't think, I would have a problem in beating the resisting arrest without violence charge in my second arrest, but I was concerned because it was considered a probation violation. I was still a month away from completing my one-year probation when I was arrested, but the appeal victory should null that little technicality. And now that a panel of circuit court judges have ruled that Fernandez committed a judicial error in showing his bias against me, I should have no problem asking for a new judge in the second trial. And there you have it, par, uh, from carlosmiller.com. Just amazing. I mean, these cops think they own you. They think that uh, if you've got a camera, they have the right to just do whatever the hell they want with it. I think they've all, a lot of them have been briefed because I think that there's, there's sort of a move to uh, deter people from doing these things. We saw what happened during the Rodney King uh, beatings sure. where somebody had a video camera. At the time, video cameras were pretty big during yeah. that time. But VHS. But there, a lot of it was going on even then, but now more and more people have cameras, and that's a big problem for them. It is a problem. If they were being, as long as they're being naughty boys. Right. If they're being true peace officers, they shouldn't have anything to worry about. And that's one of the things I uh, do like about being up here, at, at least here in the Keene area in New Hampshire, the cops around here are relatively used to the video cameras at this point, and they are fairly professional about it. Uh, in many cases, you'll get a smile and a wave from the, from the police around here when, when you've got cameras out. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't really complain about the way they handle it locally. I don't know how, it's, uh, how they handle it across the rest of the state, but you know, I, the one cop that I was telling you about earlier that uh, essentially told me to stop recording recently over across the state in, I think it was Wyndham, New Hampshire... He got kind of uppity in the beginning, but when I stood my ground and I let it, let it be known that I was, hey, go ahead, I'm prepared to be arrested. I didn't say that to him, but obviously by standing my ground, I was willing to be arrested, and he just wasn't interested in doing that, so he backed right down. Paperwork, man. More, yeah, exactly. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free Christmas week edition of the show. We're here taking your calls every single night. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. 
Again, that's freetalklive.com. And I want to tell you about the Toto Sack. If you hate making those extra trips back out to the car just to bring in more grocery bags, you need to get your hands on the Toto Sack. Go to totasack.com, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. They're a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States, designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. For me, it makes it so I can bring back all the groceries in one trip. And uh, it's just a great little device. You can go to totasack.com, get yourself a family pack today, or stay tuned because we'll be giving you a two-pack here in a little bit. Uh, it's a great stocking stuffer, even though we're the day before uh, day before Christmas here. Maybe for next year's uh, stocking stuffing. Maybe for Easter. Or yeah, just giving your uh, giving your friends or family members something cool. This is a cool little device. I uh, I love it. I use it every t- every time I go to the grocery store. Totasack.com. All right. So Wayne, uh, what's going on in the banking world? Well, surprise, surprise, a lot of us suspected this, and now it just came out uh, in a Reuters article this week that banks with political ties got bailouts. No. Yeah. U.S. banks that spent more money on lobbying were more likely to get government bailout money, according to a study released on Monday. Wait, are are you saying that in politics, the politicians reward their friends and punish their enemies? Apparently so. Huh. Apparently so. Who would have thought? Banks whose executives served on... Federal Reserve boards were more likely to receive government bailout funds from the Troubled Asset Relief Program, <laughs> according to the study from Rand Duchin and Dennis Sosuria, professors at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. Banks with headquarters in the district of a U.S. House of Representatives member who serves on a committee or subcommittee related to TARP also received more funds. Guess what? Shocking. Shocking. Political influence was most helpful for poorly performing banks, the study found. Political connections play an important role in a firm's access to capital, so Surya, a University of Michigan assistant professor of finance, said in a statement. Banks with an executive who sat on the board of a Federal Reserve Bank were 31% more likely to get bailouts through TARP's capital purchase program, the study showed. Banks with ties to a financial uh, finance committee member were 26% more likely to get capital purchase uh, program funds. As of late September, nearly 700 financial institutions had received bailouts of $205 billion under the capital, capital purchase program, the study said. <laughs> the banking industry has long been criticized for using political influence to obtain bailouts. In other words, the bad banks end up being subsidized by the government, which thereby weakens the good banks that made good decisions. Isn't so the ones that were up? making poor loans, they uh, weren't so worried about their poor decisions because they knew that their buddies uh, were sitting on boards and they uh, were giving money to representatives' campaigns and things like that. So they felt relatively safe and secure in being uh, in taking greater risks because they knew that uh, down the line they'd be more likely to get helped out. Well, and there were some that claimed that that Fed officials, including Greenspan, you know, ten years ago and and uh, forward, were actually. He was implying that if they made some bad decisions, that you know the Fed would stand behind them. That's been implicitly implied for many years by the Federal Reserve. Uh, in fact, in 1998, there was a big hedge fund that the Greenspan had bailed out. So these irresponsible practices that a lot of these banks have been practicing for many years are just being rewarded with with funny money. And I I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of society I want to live in, where people are basically rewarded for for bad decisions and bad behavior. Me neither, but that's how it is. I mean, this is what the government does: is they they reward the people that uh, that are they're connected to, I and mean, that's why they give them these campaign contributions because they know that they'll pay off. 
big time in the long run. You can give a uh, a candidate for office you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, and if that results in you getting a billion dollars for your bank or even a few million dollars, you're still you know coming out way ahead. So it's a, very, federal, it's a pretty good investment. Sure, or a big federal contract or something. Right, and and that happens way too often. But what if these banks did were allowed to go out of business? What would have happened? Now, many claim that... Well, they'd probably be absorbed by another bank. Sure, right? they'd be absorbed by another bank. If you're going to bail anybody out, you should just give some give, bail out the depositors of the bank up to the limit. Let them go to the, the local bank that made the good decisions, put their money in there. That strengthens the good banks mm-hmm. and liquidates the bad banks. And then you have a quick recovery. But what we have today is complete is completely bizarre because you've weakened a lot of these good banks now that have made good decisions by having them having to compete with these zombie banks. Right. And and so many had claimed that if these zombie banks had been allowed to go out of business, that that the whole economy, world economy would have collapsed and we would have had martial law. Some said. And all these ridiculous silly. assertions, which were totally silly. That's as that's asinine as to claim that, oh, God, if the Ford or GM were able to, were to go out of business, the whole economy would crash. As though a, one car company or a couple of car companies is what the economy is pinned on. Are you kidding right. me? Especially nowadays. At one time, GM had a lot more economic clout than they do today. But still, I mean, yeah. you're just going to put some people out of work who inevitably, likely the factories will be snatched up by somebody else at pennies on the dollar. They probably hire a lot of the same folks to come work and build whatever the new cars they're going to build. I mean, it would not have been the end of the world, but the statements from the politicians made it sound like, my God, we need to save these companies or else the entire economy is going to go under. But what? It, it, but it goes to show you that, that as we move farther and farther away from free market capitalism, basically what's happening is only the people with the connections are being rewarded who yeah. might not necessarily be the best managers of businesses or the most be using the the resources most productively oh obviously they're not otherwise they wouldn't have been such dire straits that's right and if we did have a more free market capitalistic system like we used to have 100 years ago now that wasn't perfect back then either but now today i think with the internet it could be a much better system then it's much more of a merit-based system where those who, who do a good job are the ones who usually succeed. Correct. Well, the marketplace will uh, reward those folks for providing good products and services at a good value. And that's uh, it, things change. Businesses go out of business when they lose it, when they, when they can't change, uh, they can't roll with the, the changes, they can't uh, adjust to the new competitors coming into the marketplace. They, they're supposed to go out of business. Woolworths is gone. You know, they were huge back in uh, back in the day, and they don't exist anymore because, well, for whatever reason, they just couldn't hack it. Right. You know, and uh, that's okay. All those people got jobs somewhere else. I also get really tired of the people on the so-called left saying that this is a result of capitalism. When since the 30s, when the cartelization of our economy really began, and it was greatly accelerated in the 80s, what it really was was a corporatization of the economy as well. Where really what's happening again is is these connections get you uh, get you money and access from the government, and if you're a little guy and and you're you're working on a uh, like a mom and pop business, you're not getting anything. You're yeah. being you're being crushed basically with taxation, excessive regulation, which really doesn't shouldn't relate to you. And yeah, what's the likelihood of an independent bank uh, to get this bailout money? What what is the likelihood there? Uh, a lot of the smaller independent banks didn't get bailout yeah. money. But a lot of them did make good decisions and didn't make these excessively risky loans like like the bigger banks did.
So they weren't in as bad a way, so they may not have needed the, the bailout. Right, but just imagine if you had 100 new depositors come with their life savings one day in the door because the big stupid bank That'd be nice. uh, got shut down by the feds. And, but that and the, didn't happen because right. of the bailout. Right. Great point. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll talk slavery here coming up shortly, and we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Dial on in toll-free. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the wiki. Over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com, get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see there. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, WIKI Wiki. .freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's right there at the top of the banner column. SACL CAI. Toll-free number here, 800 259 9231 to a uh, an op-ed from Christine Smith who at one time was a candidate for president in the Libertarian Party she didn't make it to the the uh actual candidacy she was one of the runners up i guess you could say and mm-hmm. uh she i think was one of the better ones actually she i guess she went up against Bob Barr it was it was in that round back in uh, in 2008 and the neocon takeover of the Libertarian Party she would have been a better choice uh, than Barr. I, I don't think quite as good as, uh, as Mary Ruart, but nonetheless, occasionally she does some uh, some stories for Future Freedom Foundation, and that's where this is coming from at FFF.org. It's called The Road Waiting to be Taken. Reading Friedrich Hayek's Road to Serfdom, one is amazed that a book published 64 years ago could paint such an accurate picture of where the United States is headed today. Hayek's warning of the dangers of centralized planning and his cautioning that well-intentioned planning can degrade into tyranny describes the road the United States embarked upon several decades ago and has traveled ever since. We now live in a nation when, where many people give only lip service to the free market and its fruits of economic and personal freedom. As long as they can get a fast food meal down the street, watch a movie, and shop at the department store, many Americans feel they have all they need, and they call that liberty. It's they, the perfectly submissive and obedient patriotic citizens, who wonder why we libertarians waste time and cause ourselves the stress of fighting the welfare warfare state. Never mind the compulsory financing of government programs and military operations. Never mind that the poor are exploited by the government. Never mind that you don't really own your property. Never mind compulsory school attendance, mandatory jury duty, or even the real risk of military conscription. Never mind the unjustified killing of tens of thousands of people by the U.S. government. And just to uh, to interject here, it reminds me of a call, I think it was from this past weekend show, where we had a guy who was talking about civil disobedience. And, you know, that's that just works for me, right? I love the idea of civil disobedience. And so I was immediately enthralled by what he was talking about. Oh, yeah, we need mass civil disobedience, blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason why he wanted to have mass civil disobedience was because of the health care thing. 
Which is fine, you know, that's great. I mean, please, whatever it takes to get people to do civil disobedience, I'm all in favor of, because I think it's a very powerful way to affect change, to get discussions started and things like that. But when I asked him the question of, well, if they took the health care proposal, the government health care proposal off the table, would you still want to do civil disobedience? And no, he basically said he'd just go back to his life. And I said, well, wait a minute. So the, the multi-trillion dollar federal government, all the regulations, all the controls, all the things they've done to your life, that's not, that's not enough to be civilly disobedient over? I mean, are you kidding me? That that's, was his line. Right. That's what she's talking about here is all. Doesn't matter. All the tyrannical, awful things that the federal government has done, as long as people still have their television, they're dancing with the stars or whatever survivor, whatever shows they're <laughs> watching on TV, as long as they have their television, as long as they have their, their gadgets uh, that they can busy themselves with, the bread and circuses, as I believe yes. it's been called. It's just a new form of it. Exactly right. As long as they have their distractions, they've got their sports teams, they've got their uh, their things that uh, that they can distract themselves with, then uh, if they're not coming down on my personal life, then I don't care what the government does. Who cares that they're putting uh, 1.5 million people a year in prison because or they're arresting people over a million people a year for drugs? Oh, I'm not a drug user, so I don't care. You know, it's this attitude of, well, as long as it's not happening to me, then it's all right. Actually, it is, but he probably doesn't realize it. For example... What are his property taxes today compared to 10 years ago? Probably higher. Probably much higher. Yeah. And in some areas, they've tripled or quadrupled in 10 years. Well, yeah, that's the price we pay to live in civilized society, Wayne. I mean, they have all these cliches they can just blow it off with. Well, what does civilized mean to you, Mr. Uh, liberal uh, whatever? Well, it's not just a liberal that would say that. I've heard conservatives say things like that. True, true. That's the price we pay. We don't want to have criminals running in the streets. <laughs> We've got to have taxes. What about the criminals with uniforms and, and titles? Well, I mean, we're doing our best to, to, uh, to, to, to deal with that, but most cops are good cops. Most are. Around well, here, I, anyway. I don't know if I believe that. Around here. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I still think that you're a bad cop if you're enforcing bad laws. And most cops are enforcing bad laws. So That's how they've been indoctrinated. But it's true. If they listen to this show, they're probably getting better. I, I would imagine that'd be the case. Let me continue with Christine. She says, what can those things possibly have to do with our daily lives of relative comfort? I've met those whose only problem with taxation is making sure that it's fairly forced upon everyone. In other words, as long as the government imposes the burden upon all equitably, then there's no reason to object. Likewise, I've met those who simply choose not to empathize with families in other parts of the world who suffer at the hands of this government. In their silent complicity, they look the other way to their life of creature comforts here in America, the home of the free, a place where they have the freedom to get a soda and hamburger anytime they want. What more could they ask for? The words of contented slaves, quote, Don't you know you're living in the best country in the world? They ask, suspecting one's loyalty for even questioning the way it's always been. Why question the way it is when we've got everything needed for a comfortable life? My answer? Without liberty, life is a dreary existence. A caged animal, no matter how many creature comforts it's given, is not experiencing all that it can be. Unless you have the power to direct your life and property, there is no liberty. And she's absolutely right. It's all an illusion. The idea that anybody is free in this country, the people that are free in this country are the people that are politically connected. They're the most free people in, uh, in America. They have the ability to get around the regulations. They have the ability to have uh, the police look the other way when they do things that uh, anybody else would be arrested for. The politically connected, they're relatively free. But the rest of us, when you have to beg for permission to start your own business, you're not free. When you are arrested for carrying a plant around in your pocket, you're not free. When you have to beg for a permit to marry somebody, you're not free. 
you could still get married without uh, without getting a permit, but they've certainly uh, inculcated people very effectively with the idea that, well, it's not a real marriage unless you have our state permission slip. Yes, it's not legal. Right, and good luck finding a preacher that will understand that he can actually give a marriage without getting a state permission slip. I'm sure they're out there, but I imagine it's a relatively difficult thing to uh, to come across. So she's absolutely right. She also points out that the character of the American people has changed There are those seeking bailouts for huge corporations and others seeking subsidies for suffering industries. There are families wanting a house to call their own and people who need medical care. They're all willing to serve their governmental master in the hope of getting a handout to fix their problems. But those and other problems can't be solved using the force of the government because all become victimized by the tyranny of economic and social planning. To allow the state to coercively control your life and never challenge it is enslavement. Whether the state is a malevolent master or a benevolent one, the fact is the slave has no self-determination over the matters which make life worth living. For millions, slavery is no longer abhorrent. And, you know, I was going to say, I might add to this, that even if the government were benevolent today, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. It just depends, because when you have that much power concentrated in a small place... It seems to attract some of the worst people. Absolutely. The sociopathic predators that, that we, we've seen throughout history that have murdered all these people. Well, clearly they're not benevolent unless you go along with all their demands. Right. I mean, and then I, they, they're nice, but that doesn't mean they're, they're good people. Sure, they're very, very nice about taking your money from you and telling you what to do. And if they weren't nice about it, it would be harder for them to keep up their illusion of legitimacy. Yeah. So they have to put a, a very uh, nice little sheen over their, their thuggery and their violence. And as she's pointing out here, most people are either blissfully unaware of it or just telling themselves this story that, well, we live in the best darn country in the whole world. This is the best country ever, which is essentially them saying, well, our master is the best master of all the masters. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Go to the Soviet Union. You'll see how you like it there. China. Christine has more to say. We'll share those in a moment. Also want to give you the tote sack. I'll give you a special call in line. 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. You will be the first caller. We'll get the uh, tote sack on that number. You get a two-pack of the tote sack if you call her one right now. It's Free Talk Live. to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month, we'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. You'll get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only podcast, the AMP-only uh, forum, and more. Go get all the details and get signed up for as little as three bucks a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Great little editorial uh, piece over at the Future of Freedom Foundation, FFF.org, which, by the way, you were just mentioning during the break, Wayne, that the Free State Project's Liberty Forum is going to be featuring Jacob Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundation. Yes, very which good I think speaker. Is pretty cool. We'll talk more about the Liberty Forum here coming up maybe in the third hour of the show. But this is from Christine Smith, and she's talking about just the pathetic nature of the uh, the American people today and how it's 
they're just not interested in freedom. They're so distracted by all of the uh, the wonderful television and gadgets and uh, the Hollywood stars and who's effing who and who's having babies with who else and oh no, what Hollywood star has overdosed on drugs this week? Uh, I, I've actually got people that are on my friends list on Facebook that I know I've known since back in high school. So I'm not really friends with them now, but I was, and so I kind of added them just to see what they're up to these days. And one of them, uh, more more often than I would expect, is posting about the lives of Hollywood people. And it's just, are you kidding me? That this is so important to you that uh, what, what some chick, Brittany Murphy or whatever, overdosed this yeah. week and and died. This is so important to you that you're mourning her on your Facebook. Uh, update your status update. This is what's important to you in your life right now. Is there nothing else happening that is worth talking about besides what's going on with the stars? Well, how about the future of our children and grandchildren, if you have them, or your nieces and nephews? If if freedom goes away, then we're all doomed for a pretty miserable existence. Yeah. Well, the reason why it's so nice here in this country is because for a lot of time there was a relatively unrestricted uh, marketplace, to, for the most part. I mean, yeah. we're kind of coasting on the uh, the wealth that was created by that relatively unrestricted time period where you could develop things, new ideas, and start new businesses and, and be an entrepreneur without a whole lot of uh, governmental burdens being placed upon or you. Or harassment on behalf of competitors, which happens a yes. lot more nowadays, too. In the form of re- re- um, lawsuits or in the form of, legis- uh, in the form of re- uh, licensing and other business restrictions. Or le- le- uh, legislation, like with the FDA, for example. Right. So, uh, so I want to continue with what uh, Christine has to say here, because I, I have to say I completely share her frus- frustrations. For millions of Americans, slavery to them is no longer abhorrent. They don't even realize how enslaved they truly are. And because that's a perfect situation for tyrants. Right. Well, if, and most people in America are indoctrinated with the idea that, well, what you do is you get out of school, you go to college, you get out, you get a job, and you work it for decades, then you retire. That's life. Right, that's what that's what they're giving to you, and they're saying this is the way it's done. And if that's all you ever do is just be at a job, then I could understand why maybe you wouldn't really be so aware of how restrictive things are. Because when you go to work, no one's really stopping you from going to work or going home, unless, of course, you get pulled over and get your license taken from you, which does happen to a lot of people. Uh, but no, nothing's really preventing Americans from living that particular lifestyle. But as soon as you get an, get an idea into your head to go start your own business, well, then you find out what it's really like. Then you find out that you've got to pay bribes. They call it fee, you know, licensing fees and application permits and all this stuff. You have to jump through all kinds of governmental-placed hoops in order to start most businesses in this country. And it makes it so people take a look at that and they say, whoa, that's a lot of work. I don't know how to – I can't afford to hire an attorney to get me through all this. Ah, screw it. I'll just keep working at my job because that's safe. But, you know, this this whole sheeple syndrome that you're discussing here I think is really declining now because look at at the unemployment situation in the last year or two. Look look at how many people are, are their benefits are running out and they're getting ticked off. Look at that big protest down in Washington D.C. that had about a million and a half people. That was unprecedented. There was never a protest with that many people. So things are stirring. And even though th- there are still people who are more worried about dancing with the stars than their own freedom of their own country, mm-hmm. I think it's changing dramatically. I hope you're right about that. Look at all the gun sales in the last year. That's true. In fact, you've got some some details on gun sales versus murder rates. We may get to that here in the third hour. But let me get back to Christine Smith. She says, for libertarians, slavery remains repugnant. 
To be born into a form of slavery as American youth are today presents a unique situation for libertarians, awakening the spirit of freedom within others. Although it may be difficult to discern, it's inside every person like a glowing coal, awaiting but a small piece of kindling to ignite it into bright, abundant flames. To my surprise, I've heard libertarians ask, the problems are so great, what can I possibly do? Simply begin by learning all you can, working for what you believe, and helping others grow in their understanding. You don't need anything beyond what you have right now, yourself. Think about it. Every affront to men, whether political tyranny or even a natural disaster, has always been ultimately overcome by the human spirit. Who was responsible for the Renaissance, women's suffrage, the American Revolution? Was it politicians? No. No. It was people who used their talents to disseminate ideas, sometimes through disobedience. People who raised their voices through what they wrote, spoke, and created. People whose high level of consciousness and deep sense of conscience attribute, uh, contributed rather, to a better way of life for the individual. Every advancement in the world and every revolution sprang from an idea. Mindless actions without a basis in, clearly uh, in a clearly delineated idea cause but temporary chaos and are soon irrelevant. Ideas on liberty, however, are magnetic. They attract support and grow in strength. Transformative and inspiring, they result in wise and liberating actions. Mm -hmm. what, it's been said that once uh, a mind has expanded, it can't be shrunk back. So right. once you put the ideas of liberty into people's heads and they get it, sometimes it takes a little while for them to get it, but once they get it, it's very rare that anybody's ever going to go back to embracing tyranny. Well, that's right, because when you have ideas like the ideas of liberty that are rooted in truth and common sense, <clears throat> there's no real other place to go. The only time you have other movements that are counter to that, they're based on, on, on lies and propaganda. Mm -hmm. But when you get to truth and common sense and sound principles of living and interacting with others, there's no real other place to go. Igniting those flames, those demands for liberty, and thereby restoring the American Republic is a task requiring the work of every liberty-loving American. Though I have to disagree with her on that. I could give a flip if the American Republic gets restored. I'd rather see 50 separate uh, states doing whatever, you know, 50 other republics rather than one big well, overarching. Well, sure, but that, see, our, our system was originally based on Switzerland where Switzerland does have a real republic in the sense still because they have cantons, which are like our states, mm -hmm. which have mo more of the governmental um, apparatus than, than the, fe the federal government, which is very small and, and benign compared to ours. She says, choose the activities you're happy doing and at which you excel. Let nothing but right versus wrong be your guide. Choose your battles carefully, letting the issues that fill you with the greatest righteous indignation be the ones you educate yourself about. Government infringement of liberty is pervasive. Do not shy away from those big areas of oppression that the majority of Americans have already accepted, but instead boldly choose such tough issues to address. I think immigration's a great one. Mm -hmm. For they get to the core of the problems, causing people to listen when they might otherwise tune out. To achieve liberty requires having one's internal power, the love of freedom, awakened. There are tasks that only you can do to reach people only you can reach by expressing the ideas and living the principles you hold. Every libertarian has a unique voice and talent that must be used in this awakening. Are we ready to courageously take the road not previously taken, the road to freedom? Let us not be concerned with aligning ourselves with ideological labels. We are committed to liberty alone. We know that silence is consent to slavery, and we will not be slaves. This is why we must never give up. Christine Smith, uh, writer from Colorado, her, visit, uh, her website is christinesmith.us. thought that was great. Yeah, because uh, I almost entirely agree with uh, with the entire thing. It if you love freedom, you've got to speak out about it. You know, they have always said that. Well, when you're around polite company, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. Well, why not? Because mm. 
Dan, this is the most important thing, at least to me in my life, is to uh, to achieve more freedom. And if we're not talking about it, then the ideas aren't flourishing. That's You're right. You're not going to find people that are waiting to hear these things. You know, Ian, I've mentioned this to you before. The reason why I sit in this chair right now on Wednesdays with you, not because I love you, because I do, but the reason why Thanks, I'm... Thanks, man. I love you, too. <laughs> I love you, man. But the reason why I'm here is for future generations, my kids, my grandkids, and, and everybody else's, too. You sure aren't collecting a paycheck, I can tell you that. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. But I have. It's a lot of fun. Right. But I, I'm doing it because I can see that the, the direction we're going in is the wrong one, and the only way that it's going to get turned around is for people to speak out. And to get together. That's the other thing. She doesn't touch on that really here. She talks about improving your own ability to communicate, and I completely agree. You've got to uh, to bone up and, and get your knowledge of liberty uh, as, as good as it can be and, and uh, hone your communications abilities. The folks over the Advocates for Self-Government, of course, are great at helping you with that at theadvocates.org. But once you understand liberty... It really helps to get around other people that understand liberty, too. That way you're not the lone kook out there in the wilderness. <laughs> it makes a difference. There's more coming up here. Hour three's on the way. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. on your mind. If you dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch here into the third hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So, Wayne, let's start things out here tonight with getting stoned in the (laughs) military. Well, yes, this happened a lot during the Vietnam War as well. <clears throat> and again, when you have a protracted war, things can get sloppy and the quality of the recruits can start to decline. But That's for sure. They've lowered their uh, recruiting standards year after year. At least the millet the Army has. Uh, they have to because then there hasn't been a draft like there was back right. in the 60s. But according to Wired uh, Online, you know, the Danger Room, there's a video posted there of uh, Afghanistan's toking troops, not exactly battle-ready. <laughs> Top NATO commander, General Stanley McChrystal, calls training local soldiers and cops our main effort in Afghanistan. But whipping recruits into shape is a whole lot harder when they're stoned out of their minds. You walk into a whole squad of ANA, Afghan National Army, smoking hashish. They don't understand that the use of drugs, it affects the way that they accomplish their mission, says one disgusted Marine. Well, that's funny because uh, the military has been known for applying its troops with drugs. Just not hash. They uh, have used things like speed in the Air Force and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of hanky-panky around drugs uh, in the middle of wars as well, and especially Afghanistan with all the poppy plants there. But anyway, there's a little controversy over that, and there are some soldiers who are disgusted over it because as when soldiers come out of, of a tent without a helmet or they come out missing a lot of gear, you're not exactly battle-ready and you're, and you're asking to be killed. So there, I, I got the wrong impression when you were mentioning this story to me over the break. I thought it was going to be about how American troops are getting baked uh, while they're over there. They're trying to make it sound like, oh, it's just these, uh, these Afghani re- uh, recruits. Uh, they're the ones that are uh, getting high, which is nonsense. And, well, and I think it is. we both know that. I didn't watch the video yet, and, and I welcome the listeners to do it, but it appears from the thumbnail of it that the American soldiers are also involved as well. I would imagine they are. And I imagine they are, too, especially being stuck over there uh, and, and having your life always kind of in danger. Yeah. And having this stuff available, it would be kind of tempting to want to take a toke or two or three. I bet there's some good hash in 17. Afghanistan. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. I understand. Well, I've seen the pictures that have come over from uh, from various soldiers where they come across the fields and fields and fields of marijuana. It's a fairly big crop there. One time I went to a Christmas party, probably 25, 30 years ago, and somebody had put hash in the brownies there, and I ate them, and I didn't know. Oh. And I was completely wasted, wiped out. I, I thought I'd never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen to me at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. I got my hands on a, uh, a pot brownie, and oh my gosh, I was so out of it. You can the, the the strength of a pot brownie or a pot cookie. Basically, what you do is you can make um, a can of butter. That's the way you do it. You create the butter with the uh, with you grind up t- uh, the marijuana and you put it in butter and you simmer it for a long time and then you strain the the pot out and then so the butter has actually extracted the THC from the plant into the butter. And so then you use the butter to cook whatever it is you're going to cook. And so people frequently will use it for cookies or, or brownies. And so the the potency can be fairly wide-ranging. I've had uh, pot cookies that are very, you know, lightweight stuff that really you get a nice little buzz off of. This one kicked my butt. I had a meeting to go to for the uh, – <laughs> I don't know if I should get into all the details, but I had this meeting to go to where I was so out of it, they <laughs> – <laughs> they basically had to hold my hand during it to get me to vote on things like okay yeah whatever okay they bumped your elbow like I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to show up I didn't want to get out of bed it was so bad but so. I was drinking a beer and I think I had maybe drank a half a beer and all of a sudden I'm oh, wasted you're mixing it. yeah I was wasted and I'm thinking what is in this beer somebody I thought somebody slipped something in the beer and yeah. then I found out it was in the brownie I ate oh an my hour gosh. earlier. And really, you know when you get that bad where you think, now, I, I, it's not like I do this all the time because I'm clean. I don't do anything now. But back then, I really, I thought, because I remember hearing all these horror stories about people who did LSD and ended up in institutions because they uh-huh. fried their brains. So I really thought my brain was fried. Wow. That's scary. <laughs> so whoever made these knew what they were doing because they were, they were yeah. everybody, even my friend's mother was really ripped. And, and we, then we were all laughing because she was stoned and didn't know it. Oh wow! So she didn't. She had no idea. So you were all in the dark about this. Thing. Yeah, we were all in the dark except gotcha. for the person who made the the brownies. That's a that's a mean trick to play on somebody. I, I, I agree. I agree. That's but not right. I can look back on it now. It's funny because sure. I've, I've somewhat recovered. Well, since yeah, you're then. fine. I mean, you you get through it. It's just it can be. They can be really strong. It, smoking pot, you'll never get to that point where you'll overdose. Right. Well, well, right. Yeah. Well, you. I mean, you're not likely going to overdose on eating brownies. Um, you. The only time I've ever heard of somebody overdosing on marijuana would be a, there was a story about a guy who was smuggling hash 
and hash is basically concentrated uh, THC. It's mm-hmm. it's basically a different, an alternate version of marijuana. It's more concentrated, black kind of gooey version typically. Uh, but uh, he had balloons filled with hash that he'd swallowed to go on an airplane uh, ride. So oh. that was how he was smuggling. The idea is, you know, you're going to crap out the balloons later on. And problem is, the balloon split open inside his stomach, spilling the uh, the hash into inside him. Massive and, amounts of it, too. Yeah, and so he actually, that's the only time I've ever heard of anybody dying as a result of, uh, of you know, the marijuana-related kind of uh, overdose death. Because otherwise, it's impossible. If you're smoking... Uh, cannabis, you're never going to get to the point where you could take that much. That's just that you mm. couldn't smoke a brick of it because you're going to pass out from smoking too much. But a broken uh, balloon in your system could also cause an obstruction in your intestinal tract as well, which probably. could kill you too. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the claim was that it was the hash that did it. I, I have no reason to disbelieve that claim, but generally marijuana is, is a pretty benign, harmless substance. But if you eat pot, if you eat enough of it, you really – the problem is you don't know how much you're getting. You don't know what your dose is. When you're smoking it, uh, you pretty much get the effects within minutes or instantly to you know five minutes or something like that. Uh, whereas when you're eating it, it's going to take hours and hours for it to come on you. And by that time, if you've taken too much, there is no going back. You just have to get through it. Yeah, well, I, I've heard people rave about the pot in Hawaii. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, used to be, live down there. I used to live there. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) But that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've kind of gone astray, but I guess it's still related here. uh, So the soldiers over in uh, in Afghanistan uh, being found to be getting baked on a a regular basis, which can't say I blame them. And I I guess what's happening here is the ANA, which is the Afghan National Army, is being trained by the U.S. military. So Mm -hmm. those guys are used to going out and maybe smoking some hash and... And I think they've. Uh, it's very likely that they're influencing some American troops as well. I, I, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about average Americans who are just part of the military. So inevitably, a number of them are going to be cannabis users. Inevitably. And I think it's it's funny that they're trying to position the American troops as being the good guys uh, in this, as though that uh, they don't they would never partake of these. Look at those Afghani's; they are so bad. They're taking marijuana. We're good American troops. We would never do something like that. Which is poppycock. Again, I haven't watched the video yet, but if you go to Wired. dot com, the Danger Room in the Danger Room is a video. It says video Afghanistan's toking troops not exactly battle ready, and. Take a look at it and let us know what you think. All right, we'll go to your calls. Jerry's on the line listening to WVTS in Charleston. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. How hey. are you doing? What's on your mind I hope today? you don't mind if I change the subject just no, a bit. No, it's Free Talk Live, uh, by all means. Okay. We had a couple of uh, fairly serious incidences here in my state over the last uh, 24 hours or 36 hours or so. Okay. Um, the first one happened uh, actually... Uh, over the weekend, uh, we had a, uh, the same snowstorm you guys got up there. Didn't really and, hit us. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we didn't see any of it. Wow. The co- well, we the got coast 12 got inches it. here, and just not far from here, we got uh, two feet of snow. How often does that happen in West Virginia? Well, you know, it used to happen on a semi-regular basis, but mm-hmm. it hasn't really happened since around 1993. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, global warming, right? Uh, But whatever the case is, we have a a piece of highway here called the West Virginia Turnpike. It's a toll road, but it's also I-64, I-77. It's 
the main uh, thoroughfare for people coming from uh, New York or any points up north uh, on the, near the New York, Ohio uh, hey, Jerry, I want you to Canada finish your story. So Jerry, I want you to finish your story, but I'm going to have to put you on hold. We're going to bring you back, all right? More with Jerry in moments here. We'll have him finish that up in uh, just a bit. You can call in as well and bring up anything at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. We've got live streams, broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, as well as a webcam, plus the Free Talk Live listen lines. You can get all the details and get tuned in over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen dot freetalklive.com and from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism you'll find more pro-freedom activism than you might have ever imagined possible when you move here to new hampshire as part of the free state project learn more at freestateproject.org that's freestateproject.org as we continue here uh jerry is still with us listening in charleston to wvts jerry you were beginning to tell us uh, the story about a recent snowstorm down there uh, left about a, uh, two feet up to two feet of snow on the ground and you're mentioning some of the highways and we had to cut you off for the break so go ahead with uh, continue your story okay well of course uh, state officials knew far far in advance of this uh this impending snowstorm mm-hmm. and we have this uh this piece of road called the West Virginia Turnpike, which is actually I-64, I-77. Takes It's a main artery from north to south. Got it. Uh, of course, a lot of people were traveling, uh, as they will, for the, the, the holidays. Uh, when the snow started falling, uh, apparently no one thought about, uh, you know, really uh, warning the people about the possibility of getting uh, hung up on this turnpike or any any issues. Uh, and to make a long story short, a couple of tractor trailers jackknifed. Oh, boy. And this is uh, probably around maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. The next thing you know, you had about 100 people trapped in their cars uh, on the turnpike with no way out. There was absolutely no way out because the, this turnpike in this particular section is like a bobsled run. There are walls to the left of you, walls to the right of you, and there's no way out. Wow. So these people sat in their cars for 21 oh. hours. Oh, my gosh. All night long into the next morning in the cold, in the snow, with, you know, like big tractor trailers in front of them. They couldn't see anything. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know why they were sitting there. Wow. They had no food, no water, and they were running their engines to keep warm. Sure. And some people had actually run out of gas. I bet they did. Okay, now here's the funny thing about it. The northbound, now these people, by the way, are in the southbound lane. The northbound lanes were open. People were traveling. And yet not one state official drove down the northbound lane and stopped 
to help these people out who many had children with them, no food, water, bathroom facilities, nothing. They're sitting in their car for 21 hours, and not one official came to help them whatsoever. Finally, of course, the following day, they uh, called out the National Guard and helped to get the you know, trucks off a highway and get people some some water and so forth. But, God. I mean, it was ridiculous that they sat there all night long without yeah. anybody trying to help them when they could have been helped. That the is ridiculous. Thing, <laughs> okay. The other thing that happened just happened this morning. Around midnight, there was a car wreck on uh, another, well, another one of our interstates, I-64, and uh, the people were called out, uh, you know, the fire department and so forth, to go investigate. The car was gone, but pieces of the car were there. And so was the impact point, but the car was gone. Mm-hmm. So they go back, you know, go back home. About about 40 minutes later, they get another call to the same spot. This time when they arrived, there were five cars wrecked on the interstate. Three of them had to be towed, towed off. Now, the reason for the wrecks is because the interstate had black ice on it. Oh, geez. Mm. Now, apparently, no official, as far as we can tell... So far, nobody called in for any salt to put on the highway. Now, six cars have wrecked so far, and no one calls for salt. God. About one hour later, after they cleared up those five cars, a tractor-trailer comes through, oh, apparently slides, hits a bridge abutment, bursts into flames, oh. and kills the driver. So that happened last night. At one thirty, and they're still, as I'm speaking right now, still cleaning that up. Wow. So, Boy, we sure do need the state to run the roads, don't we? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I just can't believe the kinds of incompetence that we have witnessed here just in the last two or three days. Man, that is Something so scary. Is going definitely bad here in this country well i don't know if something has gone bad beyond just that this is the uh, the natural result of what happens when you give people a monopoly over anything uh over in this case the roads i mean they it's not going to really matter to them too much whether you live or die on their roads i mean in the long run they probably don't want too many people dying because well then their tax base will go down but overall it's not like people can get upset and uh, boycott them or that they can decide to go on a different road cuz they're almost all state run and state uh, state operated and yet when i talk about uh, the voluntary society on this show the first objection from people is well what about the roads my god we can't let the we wouldn't even have roads if it weren't for the states well what if we had uh, privately run and privately operated or charitably charitably run roads or whatever the uh, organizations would be that would operate these things at least then you could hold somebody to accountability for uh, for doing a poor job of road maintenance in this case I can guarantee you that no bureaucrats will be held accountable because they'll all pass the buck and say well it wasn't my responsibility it wasn't my don't look at me well we've already yeah we've already had that on the news we had the governor on the news with all the department heads and of course everyone came up with their own excuse as to why this thing happened sure but the thing the biggest problem I think is in, in this particular instance is uh, they, 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 it's been a habit now for about 20 years to put people uh, in place that have no idea about that particular job uh, category. I mean, you know, they'll pick people that 
don't have a clue about highways mm-hmm. and make them the head of the highway department. Well, that's political cronyism. It's not yeah, exactly. finding somebody who's competent and knows that particular field. Yeah, yeah. It's all the buddy system now. And sure. If you've got a friend that helped you get election, elected, then you put him in, in some place where he makes a lot of money, but, you know, he doesn't have an eye, a clue what he's doing. And you know what really makes me mad, too? Even in our little state, we've got all what I call parade vehicles. We've got probably 20 parade vehicles here. These are these million-dollar command centers that the federal government shelled out millions of dollars for mm-hmm. and gave one to every little burg in the country after 9-11. And you see them at the county fairs. You see them in the parade. Right. You see them, you know, parked where people could – but – they never use them for anything. They could have used one, you know, just here a couple of days ago. Right. But you never see them. They just use them to show off. Dun, 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 right. Look at us. We're so special. Look at all the money we've got to throw around. Oh, it's your money. Well, too bad. You can't take it away from us. I mean, that's just yeah. it. You could be as outraged as you want. And I'm so glad you called with the story because it is outrageous. And we never would have heard about it uh, had you not called. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. But it's a perfect example of the incompetence of bureaucracy and how they're completely unaccountable. As you were saying, they'll just pass the buck. Oh, I'm boy, yo, we were so sorry that you people died. Thank goodness it wasn't my family members. Uh, you know, what are you supposed to do about this? Hey, Jerry, thank you so much for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Gosh, we sure can't have anybody but the government run the roads. That might make it so they work. Have you seen Disney World roads? Yeah, exactly. They're immaculate. More coming up. You can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You're invited to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It is Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, including our Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan over there. Totally free at freetalklive, or excuse me, facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. And we invite you to take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines And, unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today. Startpage.com. As we continue with your calls about what you want. Glenn is on the line. Glenn, the empiricist in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Glenn, what's an empiricist? An empiricist is someone who believes that knowledge comes from experience. Very good, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just want to comment on your previous topic about uh, knowledge coming from... uh, the, the, the people in uh, Afghanistan, uh, the soldiers there uh, imbibing in uh, controlled substances. And I just want to say that I have some experience in this uh, area, that I was an enlisted soldier in the United States Army for uh, three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can assure you that they are buying as much good stuff as they can off their Afghanis buddies <laughs> as they can. Yeah, I bet. It, it would yeah, only, I was it would in Germany, only... but at the same time, I was kind of in a weird position in that I was not their typical enlisted soldier. And uh, I assure you this is occurring whether they publicize it or not. Absolutely. 
I mean, I know people, and I know that if you've got people in a certain area, they're going to to engage in those things, especially just you know the types of folks that uh, are going to sign up for the military. People use marijuana all across the economic strata, whether they're rich or they're poor, which means that military members are certainly users too. And if you're no question, and there was a huge complement of California people in the U.S. Army when I was there, and I bet there still are a huge complement of California people, which is where I moved from to come to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Nonetheless, they are all missing Taco Bell and good uh, <laughs> substances, as we shall say. Dude, you want a tote, man? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, oh, I feel so good. I told the U.S. Army that I had used marijuana approximately 900 times <laughs> when I enlisted, and they said no problem. that as long as you agree not to do it, and they've lowered their standards since now, <laughs> <laughs> there was no problem, and uh, I com- successfully created, completed my military obligation and was honorably discharged with awards. So what does that about tell that? you? Yep, I, that's exactly what I expected to hear. I thank you for sharing it. Anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, you know, happy Festivus. It's a festival for the rest of us. If you're a reason, reasons greetings to all those people that are non-reasonable out there. And, uh, uh, well, I'm, I like Christians. I am married to one, in fact. Uh, I want to say thanks to Ian. I don't always agree with you. I'm a little bit more on Mark's side of things. But, uh, hey, uh, thanks for what you're doing. And uh, if no one has said that from the political side lately, I hope I'm the first one. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. And when did you get here to New Hampshire? Uh, I moved last year, last October, and have since bought a place. Uh, i got to give kudos to the uh, Porcupine Realtor. If you really are thinking about buying in New Hampshire, it is, he is definitely the one to go to. PorcupineRealtor.com. That's Mark Warden. He's, uh, he's a great guy and sponsor of the show. Uh, so so you've made the move about a year ago. Uh, was it worth it? I mean, are you, are you pleased with your decision? Uh, well, I'm not on uh, pharmaceuticals anymore, uh, and I can uh, take the stress of living day-to-day, which is a uh, great relief from Southern California. Wow. That's fantastic. That's quite an the endorsement. The Republic of. Now, where in Southern California did you live? Huntington Beach. Oh, boy. I've been there. Yeah, that's pretty We're stressful. Behind the orange curtain, that's right. Uh, Sublime and Offspring and all those guys, they're from down there, too. Right on, man. So uh, so you must be looking forward to the Liberty Caravan coming up in 2010. There's a group of folks coming out from California. They're uh, making their move to New Hampshire, and they're all driving out here in a caravan. So that's going to be kind of fun. To be honest, I'm surprised it hasn't occurred beforehand. Uh, my wife and I drove out two vehicles and a trailer, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm surprised people in California are usually better connected. I guess I, I thought I'd missed the wave, but apparently not. So all those folks out there in California, you guys can still come. Yeah, I, it, you can go to, I think it's libertycaravan.com is the website where things are getting staged and set up for the move. I think it's going to happen uh, right around right before the Liberty Forum. They're going to be caravanning up and arriving for the Liberty Forum, which will actually tell you about the Liberty Forum here. You can go to uh, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn more about it. It's going to be great speakers. Uh, Jacob Hornberger is going to be there from the Future of Freedom Foundation. Judge Andrew Napolitano is going to be one of the keynote speakers. Shelley Roche. Shelley Roche uh, will be there as well. A lot of other folks have been announced and more to come. Uh, the other two keynote speeches have not yet been announced, so who knows uh, what that or who they are going to be. But yeah, I'm hoping that maybe the uh, the Liberty Caravan will become a yearly occurrence. I think that would be kind of cool. Maybe you know this there'll be one in 2010, and maybe some folks will come out in 2011 and do another one then. But uh, looking forward to it. And thanks for coming out here, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Glenn, for the call tonight. Let's talk to Bill in Kentucky. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Wayne. 
How's it going, that guy? Bill, what's on your mind? I wanted to follow up with Jerry sure. uh, talking about the the highways, the roads in West Virginia. Yes. Uh, just to uh, reiterate how bad the roads are, um, and Jerry will know what I'm talking about if he still listens. He'll be shaking his head yes. Uh, back when I was in college, uh, I went out of the country for a few months, and one of the highlights, it sounds terrible, but one of the highlights of my trip uh, in being connected back home was looking at I-64, which is actually uh, West Virginia is you know, right across the river from me here, and uh, between Charleston and Huntington, West Virginia, um, it was just a few miles away from me, it was at that point in time supposed to be the deadliest uh, strip of highway in the United States for fatality. Hmm. And I would actually look while I was in uh, overseas at, you know, to see, okay, was there another wreck on I-64 today? And almost daily during that period of time, there was a wreck and somebody was killed. Jeez. And it wasn't even then, because that was uh, you know, almost seven years ago, but even then, somebody didn't speak up and go, hmm, maybe we need to do something here. And it wasn't just till maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago, they started in between that stretch putting cable barriers to reduce the number of fatalities. So uh, I don't know, I guess West Virginia, particularly that part right there, is just, I don't know, you know why the uh, increase in this exists there, but it cost a lot of people their lives, and, uh, you know, just because of the lack of initiative of the people who control the roads. Mm-hmm. Right? And I also want to say uh, I'm looking forward to a good time coming up to uh, New Hampshire in the next few days. I'm heading out the 25th. Oh, wow. And uh, I've had a couple of invites from people, oh, hey, we're doing this, come over here, check this out. So, you know, and hopefully maybe I'll get some more on the forums, and uh, I'm coming at kind of a inconvenient time, but it's all I got, and I'm hoping to uh, see the best of Keene and Granton and a few other places. So, oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, uh, anybody that's coming up here should head over to the various different forums. If you're planning a trip to New Hampshire, uh, the best times to come up are during the Pork Fest during the summer, which is a great camping event, uh, and also the Liberty Forum, as we mentioned, in March. But if you're coming any other time during the year and, and you know where you're going to come up to, you go to, uh, there's a forum over at nhfree.com, and there's also the Free Keen Forum. Also, the freestateproject.org uh, site has a forum as well. But if you post that you're coming up and when you're coming up, usually people are pretty good about saying, hey, we're here and this is what we're doing. And uh, certainly over at Free Keen, we have our calendar at calendar.freekeen.com. It kind of lays out some of the things that are going on on a, uh, on a weekly and daily basis that you can, uh, you can come out to. And there's always great social events on a weekly basis. In Manchester, they have the Taproom Tuesdays. On the Seacoast, they have a Wednesday event. Uh, here in Keene, we've got a Sunday event. So you can really make the rounds all across the state and, uh, and socialize with a lot of great folks. So look forward to seeing you when you come up, Bill. Thank you for the call tonight, and have a safe trip. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. There's enough time for your call if you make it right now. We'll get you in here in the remaining moments of the program. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live only. Moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all those features on the site for free. And if you appreciate this program, we would appreciate your vote. If you haven't yet voted for us this month, please go to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for Free Talk Live. You only uh, only ask you to do it once a month, and it makes a difference for us uh, because it helps push us up the top ten chart over at Podcast Alley. So go to vote.freetalklive.com. Also, another great place to go uh, to help promote Free Talk Live is promote.freetalklive.com. We've got all kinds of uh, banners and flyers and other things that, uh, that you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Promote.freetalklive.com to the phones and the fun. Adam is in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Adam. Hey, you guys go snowboarding all this winter? Uh, I'm not much into the snowboarding, uh, but I, I did try the, the ski blading last year, and that was kind of fun. You going to do any more this winter? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It all depends. I'm not, not much of a sports guy in general. My son loves to carve, man. <laughs> Is that what they call it? That's yeah, the, like, he's groovy carving term? in the mountain, man. It's really cool. I listen to these guys talk. You're not and, into it, Wayne? Well, no, like, I'm just too old. I don't want to bust up my leg again or nothing, you know? Far out. Oh, you'll be good. It's safer than skiing because both of your legs are together. You know, you can't end up doing the splits on accident or anything. That's why I didn't like snowboarding. Perfect. That's what I did not like about snowboarding when I when I tried it was that both of my legs were together. I felt like I did not have enough control. Ah. Uh, yeah, if I were to so, go back to it, I th- my, a doctor fixed my knee really well about 15 years ago, and I really don't want to mess it up, so everything works well. But when I did ski, I really enjoyed it. I think if I were going to take it up again, I think I would probably snowboard with my son. But cross-country skiing at this point is, is what I'm focusing on. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Some good places up there to do it. Yes, there are. There's so, a, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what else is on your mind tonight? I was just kind of thinking that there's kind of a lopsided amount of weirdos in the liberty movement. What's your thoughts on that? How do you well, define, define weird? a weirdo? Yeah, <laughs> uh, conspiracy theorists, nut jobs, antisocial—you know what I mean. Uh, well, I would say that I don't know how many uh, liberty-minded people here are conspiracy theorists. If they are, they certainly don't uh, promote them. So I would say I'm not, not necessarily s- saying in New Hampshire. I'm just saying, kind of in the movement in general. Hmm. I I can't really say. I mean, I've only had experience down in Sarasota, Florida, where I was involved with the Libertarian Party, and that was pretty much the same ten people. So I don't think that any of them were particularly zealous conspiracy theorists. But I would say that I think it's fairly accurate to suggest that this movement is overrepresented as far as uh, loners are concerned because, well, when you find out about liberty and you talk to people about it and they reject it, then it kind of makes you feel like you're all alone. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, don't you find it odd that that people around this country, through the judicial system, every day probably thousands of Americans are charged with criminal conspiracy, but when anybody accuses somebody in power of wrongdoing, they're labeled a conspiracy theorist. So, yeah, I think there's some wacky theories out there, but there's also a lot of of, um, situations where somebody might be called a conspiracy theorist when they might actually be on the trail of something real, wouldn't you say? Definitely. 
I think something else that's definitely true about the liberty movement is that men are heavily overrepresented uh, in that there are not as many women as there are men, and I think that's unfortunate. Thank goodness we now have the Ladies of Liberty Alliance that has been formed within the last year or so to help uh, to help counteract that and to help bring more ladies into the movement. I think that will help uh, with the legitimacy of the movement and help bring more men and women in in general that uh, maybe don't have the antisocial tendencies that some liberty folks have. But I must say that at least here in New Hampshire, I don't see that. If there are antisocial people, they certainly aren't coming out and socializing, as I suppose antisocial people would not do. Uh, but we get together. Uh, you heard Chris call in earlier tonight. He was calling from a festivist party. There were about uh, well over a dozen people there. We had 25 people at a recent Social Sundays event. The, uh, the place we were at was, was packed full of liberty activists. This is, for me, this is the most social liberty movement I've ever been a part of up here in New Hampshire, at least. people. These people are getting together on a weekly basis and more often and just hanging out. They're not necessarily doing... I mean, there's activism happening, too, but there are social bonds that are being created here that I've never seen happening anywhere else. Right, so. and if you had all these people who were very who were loners, they wouldn't be doing that. But I've been pleasantly surprised, especially lately, at all the women ladies getting involved in, in, in the liberty movement. I think that's a really great development. So, Adam, any other thoughts? Any, any thoughts on why it's so lopsided, men versus women? Hmm. Testosterone. <laughs> well, what does that mean? How's that an answer to that question, Wayne? Well, I think men tend to uh, sense threats like that uh, maybe more. I mean, I, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but for some reason men seem to, wherever they're going, whatever their mindset is, maybe they tend their antennas pick up dangers of liberty before women in some cases? I don't know. Some have suggested, and what would be interesting to hear a woman answer this question rather than us guys here, yeah. but some have suggested that uh, that you know, biologically perhaps women are more interested in security and they believe the, the, the line, they believe the propaganda that the state is actually helping people and the state is keeping things safe and that sort of thing and that maybe that's why they're more likely to, uh, to or less likely to be involved in this. But again, I think a, a lady's answer would be more uh, more appropriate to that particular question. But men, men were traditionally hunter-gatherers, and I think we still have those instincts within us to sense danger. I mean, we're out in the, about in the world, and, and uh, I think that maybe... I think men are just a little more strongly attuned to threats to liberty than women, but I could. Well, but I could how, be how wrong. about this though, Wayne? I bet if you, uh, if a lady perceived that the state was threatening her children, all of a sudden she'd get uh, real interested in liberty. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess it just all it all depends, and I, I I hope that I mean obviously we're in the last five minutes of the show here. If we can get a lady to call in and answer that question, I think it would be far better uh, by by them than us. Uh, anything else, Adam? That's it. Thanks, Thanks for Jeff. the call, dude. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And maybe the other factor is that for whatever reason, maybe the men got involved in the in the first place for whatever the reason was, and then when a woman would come in to a meeting or something like that or a gathering and be surrounded by a bunch of guys, that might have been. I don't know, less than uh, attractive for her, and then she might just have decided to go away. And then the next lady that came, there was no more women, there no, no women there, and so the fact that there weren't women became maybe a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy for the movement. I'm not sure about that. But what I do know is that, again, comparing my experience here in New Hampshire to my experience down in Florida, there are far more women involved uh, up here in New Hampshire than I've seen before in this, in the liberty movement in general, would you say that's uh, accurate? Absolutely. I also think that I think we're further down the road to tyranny now, where women's children are being threatened at this point, 
yes. between CPS and all this other stuff. So th- th- some of these other issues, because of the encroaching state, are also affecting women now before they didn't, before they were more peripheral and people said, oh, you're imagining things, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Now it's it's happening, it's out in the open more, and I think uh, more people see it, and it's affecting more people's lives in their realm of, of existence. Well, I'm going to leave this as an open question, uh, and hopefully we'll get some more uh, comments. I'm going to make a note, maybe we'll bring it up later during the sure. week, and we can get some ladies calling in. Let's talk to Andy in the meantime in California. Andy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, this is Andy out in California. You're on the air, Andy. Andy. What's on your mind? Is this Mark and Ian? Uh, no, it's Wayne and Ian. Oh, Wayne and Ian. Wayne, excuse me. That's all right. I talked to you guys before, and I just want to let you know um, that we do have a group out here, a little neophyte group called the Coalition of Learning Disabled, and uh, we're looking for people that uh, uh, would look to support us to get this Judicial Transparency Act through on the uh, on the ballot out here. Okay, and how could people? And, uh, uh, this I is in California. Off air, if you'd like. Uh, well, if you want to give a website or something like that. The thing is, I'm functionally illiterate, so I have to leave a phone number, or I can have my girlfriend get on, and she can leave you her email or my email. It's it's up to you. I mean, you're on national uh, radio, Um, so... I'll just have you guys give me a call, but it's it's, uh, area code 209-293-4091, and we have this thing called the Judicial Transparency Act, where we want to get a CD or a DVD player in the courtroom and save the taxpayers millions of dollars and update the court, the court system. You're talking and, about for recording. You're not talking about playback. You're talking about recording the, the, the court. Yeah, recording it or a DVD so I can be the host of America's Funniest Courtrooms on Friday night. Oh, that sounds like a real hit. <laughs> yeah, you know. And uh, we think we sh- you're using a machine that's 140 years old that's a shorthand machine, and it's third-hand information. We ought to just, this way, with a CD or a DVD, you'll, you'll hear the inflection or see body language. And uh, everything will move along quicker and save the taxpayers money. I think it's uh, a fine idea, and it's just an example of how antiquated the government's, uh, government is. They, they don't have the incentive to update their systems. They're still using old, just ancient technology in many cases. I know that here in, uh, in New Hampshire, the courtrooms use, I think they use cassette tape to do their audio recording. I mean, you've got to be yeah, kidding me. Hey, thanks for the call. We're out of time for tonight. It has been Ian with you. And Wayne. Wayne, thanks as always for coming in. Enjoy the rest of your holiday with your family. I will. And I will be here tomorrow night. And I think Josh will be joining us for tomorrow night's Christmas Eve edition of Free Talk Live. So be sure you join us as well. The conversation will continue and we'll continue taking your phone calls about absolutely anything. Ho, ho, ho. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK.